Good evening, everyone. We're going to continue our journey. It's been a wonderful journey so far through the book of Colossians. Tonight's message is called The Circumcision of Christ. The Circumcision of Christ. I'd like to read the verse that we're going to look at, the two verses in context. So we'll read from starting in verse 6 and we're finishing verse 12. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ." For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So tonight, again, we'll continue our journey through this book. And we've been looking as we went through this book, we've been looking at the supremacy of Christ. Paul's been bringing this to the forefront for us right before our eyes. And we've also looked at the all-sufficiency of Christ, too, how He is the sufficient Savior. He is the all-sufficient One. There's nothing that needs to be added to Him, nothing taken away. He is the One who we are complete in. And we looked at that last week. We're absolutely complete in Him. And we'll look at that a little bit more again. But we're complete in Him. So think of this too. Paul, in contrast to the false teachers, has been bringing before the Colossian believers and before us too, as we read this book, almost 2,000 years later, he's, he's bringing before us the contrast to what a believer has in Christ and what the believer has in Him alone. And what the false teachers are saying, we must do to be saved. So he's, it's been very evident as we went through this book, the contrast and how he's combating that and how Paul is continuously, as I say, continuously bringing before us the all-sufficiency of Christ. That everything's in him. Everything we need is in him. It's all in him. We don't need to, we don't need to go look around anywhere else or look at anything else. It's all in him. We don't need to look to ourselves either. Because all we see is sin. I heard one preacher today as I listened to him, he said, when we look in, all we see is sin. Oh my. So we look out. We look out to Christ. Out to Him. The believer in Christ looks to Christ in Him alone, not only for redemption and justification, which is only in Him. We also look for full acceptance before God in Christ. Beloved, a full acceptance before the holy and righteous God of the universe. There is no other, there's no acceptance outside of Christ before God. So the, the, the question that Job asked, how can a man be justified before God? Or how can a man be just before God? 
is answered in Christ and Him alone. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Now think of this. The Galatians did not do it thus because Paul writes them, writes to them about they, they, were being, they were being carried away by false teachers too, proclaiming another gospel. The Colossians are being troubled by false teachers. And these false teachers, their goal is to try to get your eyes off Christ and to get your eyes on yourself. It's something you must do. And we still battle that today, don't we? we? And see, since the Galatians were susceptible to it and the Colossians are susceptible to it, it shows that all believers are in danger. So that's why Paul sounds out earlier in the chapter, beware, beware, beware. Oh, we must keep our eyes upon Christ. We must keep our eyes upon Him. So the false teachers say, oh no, look to something you have to do, plus Christ. And Paul says, no. You are complete in Christ. You're complete in Him. This speaks of the perfection of Christ. The absolute perfection of Christ. There's no need for additions to that which is perfect. And these false teachers are simply seducers of man's souls. Carrying away men as a spoil. But the believer, in contrast to what the false teachers teach, the believer, in contrast, casts his helpless soul upon Christ and him alone. We are complete in Him. Complete in Him. Praise God. Complete in Christ. I cast my everything upon Christ. Do you? Everything. Sink or swim. Spurgeon said, sink or swim. I'll cling to Him. So this leads to the scripture that we looked at last week. Let's just do a quick overview of and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Verse 10 says, This verse magnifies, again, the all-sufficiency of Christ. You are complete in him. Brother John, you're complete in Christ. There's nowhere else. It's wonderful. Complete in him. It magnifies the all-sufficiency of Christ as the believer is complete in Christ. And then it goes on, not only is he the head of the church, which we, which we looked at before, but this scripture here declares that he's the head of all principality and power. He's supreme. He's absolutely supreme. He's king. He's, he's king. He's a sovereign king. And so we can conclude from what Paul has penned here in this letter that Christ has all supremacy both in salvation and in providence. In salvation and providence. Do you see the fallacy of works-based religion when they, when they try to tell you that it's something you've got to do? Oh my, my, oh my. No, it's already done. It's already done. <laughs> I, have a, I have a sovereign king. I have a sovereign redeemer. And beloved, I have a sovereign savior. Okay? And if you're one of his, you do too. And you're complete in him. The believer is complete in Christ and needs nothing and no one else but Him. 
That's why Paul said, Christ is all. Christ is all. Tonight, though, we'll be looking at two verses together, verses 11 and 12. They go together, so I didn't want to separate them. And here Paul is combating the false teachers who who imposed Jewish ceremonies and rites upon the Colossian believers in order for them to be saved. Look at verses 11 and 12. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein ye are wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So let's look at verse 11, keeping in mind that this is a continuation from verse 10. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, in whom there is referring to Christ, as we can see the connection all the way from verse 8. All the way from verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. See? And in the next verse, look at the next verse. For in him, being Christ. And then look at verse 10. In him, being Christ. You're complete in him, being Christ, who's the head of all principality and power. And in verse 11, verse 11 and verse 12, him. Choose three times in verse 11 and 12. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. So this is speaking of Christ. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that this is speaking of Christ. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, circumcision was under the old covenant of works a sign that distinguished Israel from other nations. And it was instituted by God. And so let us remember also that among the Mosaic rites, circumcision held the primary place as it was a token of the promise of God's blessing on Israel. That they were his chosen nation. Conditional upon their obedience to the conditions of the covenant. This do and live. Turn if you would to Hebrews chapter 8. National Israel did not continue in the covenant of works because they broke his covenant and God regarded them not. Hebrews 8 says, Hebrews 8, verses 9 to 13. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. But we're going to continue reading to verse 13. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them into their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. 
For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that day, in, in that he saith, a new covenant he hath made. The first old, now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. So our scripture declares, in whom also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. God has established His new covenant. The everlasting covenant of grace. And it's through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who met all, and and let us remember this, who met all the conditions of God's eternal covenant for us. For us. That's why he's able to say their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. No more. And he'll put their laws into their, in, into their mind and write them in their hearts and that's what he's done for his people. The circumcision made without hands is the sign of that covenant. It's a picture of spiritual regeneration, beloved. It's a circumcision of the heart. Which, which is the putting off of the body and power of sin. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Turn if you would to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. The circumcision made without hands again is, is the sign of that covenant It's a picture of spiritual regeneration, circumcision of the heart, which is putting off the body and power of sin. Look at Romans 2, verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. Now here we go. remember, Remember our text in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, right? But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Regeneration, beloved. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Now some erroneously teach that baptism is the sign of a new covenant, which is not true, is God's chosen people are distinguished. How are we distinguished from the people of the world, beloved? How are we different than the people of the world? By the miracle of the new birth, by the circumcision made without hands, born again by the Holy Spirit of God. See, people who say that that baptism is a sign of the new covenant, that's how they... That's how they authorize themselves to baptize babies. Well, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's called believer's baptism. (laughs) What doth hinder me to be baptized? (laughs) Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Little babies can't believe. My goodness. I've never understood that whole thing to be honest with y'all. They say, oh, it puts them in the covenant. The only way I'm in the covenant is God puts me in there. 
God puts me. The only way I'm circumcised by the heart is the Holy Spirit does the work. <laughs> he does the work. Regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. Let us remember this, that man contributes nothing to his physical birth, right? We didn't contribute anything to our physical birth. Nothing. Nothing. And remember this, man contributes nothing to his spiritual birth. Man contributes nothing to his spiritual work. Beloved, it's a work of God. It's a work of God in him alone. Him alone. God alone can give life. You must be born again. And the believer is born again of the Holy Spirit of God. He's circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Oh, how does he do this? And, and, and before we get there, though, think of this. God alone can give the life. Only God, only through God are we born again. And if God doesn't do this, then a man remains dead in his trespasses and sins. He remains dead. Aren't you thankful he didn't leave you where you were? I sure am. I sure am. And there ain't nothing in me that's any better than my brothers or anybody I went to school with or any of my family members. It's only the grace of God in Christ. Only the grace of God in Christ. Is it so with you? Is it so with you? Under the preaching of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord deals with the heart. He deals with the heart. He deals with the heart as only He can, beloved. See, no amount of manipulation from man. Now, now man, think of this. I heard this this week too. And this is marvelous. If a man can talk you into a decision, someone can talk you out of it. But if God saves you, beloved, he'll keep you. <laughs> he'll keep you. It's marvelous. It's marvelous. So under the preaching of the glorious gospel again of our Lord Jesus Christ, our, our great King, our great Savior deals with the heart. Is only he can. He is the heavenly physician. He's the great physician. He, he does a heart work on his people. And how does he do it? By his sovereign power, he circumcises the heart. We're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And an interesting note is when circumcision was performed under the old covenant of works, that's when a child was named. And those who were not circumcised were forbidden to eat the Passover. They were forbidden to eat the Passover, beloved. When the Holy Spirit circumcises our hearts, we get a brand new name. We're sons of God. Adopted into his family. And what? who do we feast on, beloved? Amen, brother. Christ our Passover. Christ our Passover. We feast on him. Oh, my. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. 
Hebrews chapter 13. And only God's children, only God's elect, the children of God, have Christ as their Passover. The unsaved do not have Christ as their Passover. The, the ones who, who aren't circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, Christ is not their Passover. But to, but, but to we who, who, who God has circumcised our hearts, we're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Christ is our Passover. He's everything. Brother Noah, I've talked with you. You can probably remember a time when he wasn't your Passover. When you had no care for him. I remember that too. But now, he's everything to us, isn't he? Everything. My. Look at Hebrews 13, verses 8 to 10. Look at this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What does that mean? That means what it says. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Because he doesn't change. We're kept. He's the same Lord, the same God. What a wonderful Redeemer. And, and think of this. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. <laughs> so if we're in him, we're given to him by the Father, and, and, and he, he said, I'll redeem them. And he did. He came to the earth and redeemed us. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll draw them, right, in the, in, the, in the covenant. God's the same yesterday and today and forever. He's going to get his sheep, beloved. My goodness. It's wonderful. Look at this, though, in Hebrews chapter 13 again, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He does not change. Be not carried away about with divers and strange doctrines. That's what the false teachers come in, eh? And they have divers and strange doctrines. Oh, you must do this to be saved. You must do that. You must be circumcised. You must, you must only attend church on Saturdays. You must belong to this church because we're the true church. I've heard that. Landmark Baptists, man, they're, they're, they think they're the one true church just like the Catholics do. My goodness. And you know what they do? They vault church way up here and they put grass way down here. The church becomes the most important thing to them. We preach Christ and Him crucified. He's the most important thing. He is in Him alone. Oh, look at this. Be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar. We have an altar, beloved. Whereof they have no right to eat. Christ is our Passover. Others have no right to eat. Those who are circumcised with the circumcision made with hands, he's our Passover. Whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Christ, now think of this too. It says here, we have an altar, right? We have an altar. Now think of this. Christ is both the altar and the sacrifice. And the priest. <laughs> the altar spoken of here is Christ. Again, who is the altar, sacrifice, and priest. And he was typified by the altar of the burnt offering and the sacrifice that was offered upon it. 
The altar was made of shittim wood and covered with brass, denoting the incorruptibleness and the duration and strength of Christ. See, all that represented him. It had horns. The horns of it at the four corners were for refuge. For refuge. They, those who, who fled to it laid hold on them. <laughs> and they were safe. They were safe. So Christ is a refuge to His people. And all who lay hold upon Him are safe. Are safe. They come from the four corners of the earth and believe on Him and lay hold upon Him. And they're preserved and they're protected. God's people are preserved and protected by His power and by His grace. Kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. Let us remember, beloved, that those who insist that we're still under the law of Moses also, and we have many people who insist upon that, don't we? We run into them all the time. People who insist that we're under the, still under the law of Moses, they have never been circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. They don't know the gospel. They don't know Christ. They don't have a clue. Now, we don't, we don't say that in a condescending way because we were there too. But they don't have any knowledge of who Christ is. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. God has, has not been pleased to raise them from the state of spiritual deadness and spiritual darkness, those who say we're still under the law. They are, as, as Ephesians 2.1 says, dead in trespasses and sins. But look at Galatians chapter 5. Look, at what, look, look what it says about the liberty that the believer has. And, and Paul contrasts the liberty to those who, who would yoke people under the law. Look at this, Galatians chapter 5. Now, believers, stand fast. Stand fast. Stand firm. Someone comes and tells you that, that, that you need to be under the law to be saved. Stand firm in the free grace of God in Christ. Say, no. No, I'm complete in Christ. Stand firm, therefore, in the liberty. Wherewith what? Christ hath made us free. <laughs> We're free, beloved. Now, that doesn't give us a liberty to go crazy, does it? We've often talked about that. No, but I'm free. I'm free from the condemnation of the law. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled with you have to be circumcised to be saved. Or you have to do this to be saved. No, I am saved by Jesus Christ and Him alone. Plus nothing. He's my Redeemer. He's my Savior. Is He yours? He's, if He is, you're complete in Him. It's wonderful. It's marvelous. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if, look, at, look what he says about being circumcised. That if, if ye be circumcised, and, and he's talking here, now remember, they're, they're, he's, battling, he's, he's battling the Judaizers here that say you, you must be circumcised to be saved. And look at look what he writes. He says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, and he's talking, if you be circumcised to be saved or, or to gain a deeper relationship with the Lord or to enter into some higher spiritual plane, 
You're adding to Christ, right? Look what he says here, though, in, in plain language for us to understand. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you what? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, my. But Christ is everything I need. In Him I have all spiritual blessings. In Him I'm redeemed. You see, if you look, if, if you add a pinprick of works to grace, it's no longer grace. Oh my. Look at this. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the what? Hold oh, oh my gosh. I can't even fill one thing of the law. But Paul here says, and think of this, beloved. Think of these people that are, they're, they're, we know there's churches around us. There's churches in all the states. There's churches in Canada, too, back home in Canada, that, that they just yoke people under the law. They just yoke people. But Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, Christ shall profit you nothing. And that if you're a debtor to do the whole law if you start putting yourself under works. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whatsoever of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Look at this. For, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The Lord Jesus Christ is all my righteousness. He did that which wasn't possible for me to do. My! What a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful Savior. For in Jesus Christ, neither, look at this, neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Our faith is in Him. Our hope is in Him. Our rest is in Him. Our trust is in Him. He's my righteousness. He's my sanctification. He's my redemption. Do you see how these verses absolutely destroy the false teachers? And what they were promoting My goodness. Let's look again at verse 11. We'll look at the latter part of verse 11 now. In whom also ye were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So the latter part says, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now I'm going to go to a few different verses here. Uh, turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4 and John chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 4 and John chapter 3. Now our text here says, In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, John Gill says, By the flesh here is meant the corrupt nature which is born of the flesh. It is the source and spring of all sins. All the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. 
Oh my. You know, we, we wonder why we struggle so much. Eh? You know, I remember when I was in religion. <clears throat> and man, people always blame Satan for everything. Everything. Always. Oh, the devil made me do it. Or, oh man, I'm under attack. Or, oh. And then, after the Lord showed me grace, I was talking to Brother Norm Wells sometime. He goes, man, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And most of the time, it's just our flesh. It really is, beloved. Now, we do have an enemy. We do. But this is my worst enemy right here. This body of flesh. My goodness. One day, though. One day. <laughs> oh, my. Won't be struggling anymore. This old body be laid in the ground. My soul will go to God. And I'll see my Redeemer face to face. And it's so with you who believe too. Oh my. The body of sins exert themselves in the flesh and every member and power. Well, unregenerate people are active in the committing of sin till the new man be put on. When the new man's put on, now we have a war. Now we have a battle that we never had before. I like to call it, we have a civil war going on inside our body now. Oh my. Oh, wretched man that I am. That was written by a saved man, Paul. Some people say, well, he wrote that before he was saved. No, he didn't. I like what Brother Donnie Bell and I were talking one time. He says, Brother Wayne, Romans 7 is the, the Christian's biography. <laughs> oh, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body? My goodness. Oh, my. Brother Matt and I were talking in our studies. We were just talking about how before we were saved, we didn't have any struggles that way. We just did whatever we wanted. We didn't. Tim and I have talked about that too before on YouTube, Brother John. That it didn't even bother us. Now, there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on now. Oh, my. Look at Ephesians 4.24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now this happens when you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, beloved. When you're born again. And in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now turn, if you would, over to John chapter 3. The dominion of sin is subdued. Now think of this too. Remember sin at one time, and, and this is what we can think back on too, at one time sin had dominion over. Oh, it had great power over us. It's subdued now. Now, we still struggle and we still battle. But it's subdued. It, it doesn't have the power it once had. I, like, I think it was Brother Henry said, we're under new management. <laughs> oh, my. The dominion of sin is subdued, not by any natural part in us. And let us remember this too. It's not subdued by anything we do. It's not conjured up by anything we, you know, people, uh, you know, um, well, we need to reform. <clears throat> Only the Holy Spirit can change us, beloved. Only He can change us. Only Him and Him alone. The dominion of sin is subdued not by any natural part in us or by any purpose in us, too, but by the circumcision of Christ being born again by the Holy Spirit of God. That's when 
That's when the dominion of sin is subdued. And, and notice I didn't say gone. It's subdued. It's, it, now, now the war begins. Now the battle begins. John and I were talking one time about how we should warn young Christians, you're in for it now. Now it starts. <laughs> now it starts. Now you start battling thoughts. Now you start battling sin. <laughs> when you drank sin like water at one time, it didn't even bother you. Now it bothers the believer. My goodness. And, and like I've always said, it bothers us more in ourselves than in anyone else. It really does. Self-righteous look at everyone and say, well, look what that guy's doing. Look what that guy's doing. Oh, that guy down there is worse than me. And, I, and the believer, the believer like the publican says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, my. Look at John chapter 3 here. John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. See, this is, this is not by any, and, and as we read this, keep in mind, it's not by anything we do. It's not by any purpose in us, right, that we're born again. We don't purpose to be born again. We can't. We can't. We can't. It's a work. It's a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So except the man be circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, he'll never see, he'll never see heaven. He'll never see glory. He'll never see Christ. And, and, and think of this. We don't even know Christ until we're born again. <laughs> we're given eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's an honest answer, or an honest question, I mean, from a natural man. He has no understanding of the things of God. He's puzzled by what Christ is saying. He has no clue what the Lord's saying. I used to think, wow, what, what, what kind of question is that? But again, talking with Norm one time, he said, this is a natural man's answer, or question, natural man's question that they ask. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Now look at this. And keep, keep in mind that it's not by any, anything in us, not by any purpose in us, right? Look at this. Look at verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. You can hear it. You can hear it. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ died for the sins of his people. He bore the sins of his people on the tree, on Calvary's tree. He became the sacrifice for his people. The believer was crucified with Christ, and the old man was crucified, and the body of sin destroyed. The precious blood of Christ is shed to make atonement for the sins of his people. By his blood, by his righteousness, by his sacrifice, the sins of God's people are paid for. Paid for, beloved. Covered. Covered. When I see the blood, 
our Passover year. And fully pardoned in Christ. In Christ alone. And think of this. Christ is the believer's acceptance before God. We cannot be accepted on our own. But in Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. Now think of this. What a contrast to what the false teachers were proclaiming. That it was something that you had to do. That it was something you had to do. Something that was added to what, to what Christ had done. Gospel preacher, we preach, look to Christ. It's finished. He did it all. He did it all. Now, God's people know and, again, do not want to give the impression that we think we can live however we want because we're under grace. We don't, we don't believe that. We're born again of the Holy Spirit of God, but we, don't, we, have, we have liberty too, but... We can't live. We can't live. People who say, well, if, if, I, if I ever taught that what you guys believe, people who go crazy. They can do whatever they want. Oh, God's people ain't like that. The love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us. We're sinners. We have that civil war constantly going on. We constantly have a battle. But all the love of Christ... Oh, it melts a sinner's heart. <laughs> if we're led by the Spirit of God, we are not under the law of Moses. Turn again, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. If we are led by the Spirit of God, we're not under the law of Moses. We're not under the old covenant of works. Look at Galatians 5.18. But if ye be led by, of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not... Who, who's led of the Spirit? Those who are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Those who are born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And then look at verse 16. If we walk in the Spirit, we should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at verse 16. Then I... This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My goodness. So we've seen in verse 11 that the circumcision of Christ is an, is an inward circumcision. A spiritual circumcision, right? And we've also seen that it's complete. Now, now circumcision which the Jews Jews. Uh, practice was a cutting away of, of a small part of the flesh, but the spiritual circumcision consists of putting off the whole man. The whole man. The whole body of our corrupt nature. The entire fleshly principle. And the third thing we've seen is that it's divine. It's by the circumcision of Christ. Look at our text again. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It's divine. This is a divine circumcision. It's wrought without hands, beloved. By the inward power of the Holy Spirit of God. 
Remember the wind blows where it wills? It's incredible. You must be born again. And we who believe are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Let's look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. When we were raised from the state of spiritual deadness which we were in, we were dead. And that Greek word means dead in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Graveyard dead. I remember one grace preacher saying, I had to chuckle when I heard it. He said, religion's the only place where dead doesn't mean dead. And it's true. They just believe you're mostly dead. You still have a spark of, of life in you. So you can make your decision. That's a lie. That's a lie, boy. Scripture declares you're dead. Graveyard dead. No ability. Dead man can't walk. Dead man can't talk. Dead man can't make no decisions. They're dead. We were raised from a state of spiritual deadness. And God gave us faith to believe that Jesus Christ redeemed us from all of our sins. And it was a gift of God. It was a gift of God. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ took the sins of His sheep, His elect, His people, those given to Him by the Father in eternity. And He died. He died for them on Calvary's cross. And they were, we were buried with Him. Buried with Him. And beloved, our sins were buried. They are gone out of God's sight forever. They are gone out of God's sight forever. Now, we believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God and that He is now seated on the right hand of the Father. The right hand of power. He rules on the throne of power as the exalted Christ, beloved, the all-powerful God-man. And we believe that we are brought into a living union with the true and living God by the irresistible, drawn power of the Holy Spirit of God. It is He who has enlightened us. It's He who has regenerated us. It's He who has taught us. And it's all by the preaching of the Gospel. And we have heard by His power. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 5. We have heard by His power the voice of the shepherd. And this verse is made alive when Christ calls one of His lost sheep. John chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. And there was an hour for every believer, and there be an hour for every one of God's lost sheep who haven't been called yet. The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead, the dead spiritually, the dead spiritually shall hear the voice, Oh, Lazarus, come forth! 
when the dead, the dead spiritually, shall hear. Shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And what? And they that hear shall live. Shall live. It's not a maybe. Shall. Shall. My goodness. Oh my. Let's go back to our text in Colossians 2 verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Our text mentions baptism, and we who believe willingly and, and lovingly submit ourselves to the ordinance of baptism in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, w- and we who believe publicly confess in baptism, we are immersed, confessing that our old man is what? Buried with Christ. Buried with Christ. And we come up out of the waters of baptism with a sincere desire to walk in the newness of life. To walk in the newness of life. We are not only circumcised in Christ in a spiritual sense, having the token, evidence, and power of the covenant of grace, but beloved, all our sins, all our sins are buried with Christ. <laughs> My goodness. Of which our baptism in water is a representation. And he arose. Perfect. <laughs> He's our risen Savior. And what the scripture declare? We're justified in him. Why? Because all our sins are buried. In the sea of forgetfulness. Eh? Their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. My goodness. When he arose, all our sins were left behind. And it is through faith that we see ourselves crucified. It's by faith and faith alone that we see ourselves crucified with Christ. We see ourselves buried with Christ. And we see ourselves risen with Christ. We're already seated in the heavenlies with him. And where the head is, right, the body will soon fall, right? Our head's in heaven. He's in glory. Oh, my beloved. And notice here in our text, it's not just any faith. But look at what our text says here. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him, through the faith of the operation of God who, raised, who hath raised him from the dead. Now note here. It's not just any faith, but that which is God's operation. Salvation is of the Lord, beloved. My goodness. Faith is not a natural product of the human heart. It's not. It's a divine gift, beloved. And it's bestowed on God's elect by a divine operation of God. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Do you know that this work of faith, God puts that in this work of faith that He, that he rots in us, God puts forth the same almighty power that He did in raising Christ from the dead. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 17 to 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, if God doesn't give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we'll never know Him, we'll never know His Son. He must give it. Notice that. And men don't seek it. We know that, right? Because Scripture says there's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understandeth. So he, he, he gives it. That God may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being what? Enlightened. Oh, the believer is given eyes to see Christ. That ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness, look at this, of His power to usward. Who's the usward there? Believers. Who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Look at this though. Look, look, look at this again. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us word who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Same power. Oh, my beloved. And let us always remember this, too. The only acceptance a sinner has before God is in Christ and Him alone. So from what we've looked at tonight, we see, we see that Paul combats the false teachers. Again, once again, he's combating the false teachers once again with the supremacy of Christ. He's saying that circumcision they're talking about is a circumcision that's done outwardly and done by man's hands. And this is a mighty work of the divine Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. So he's contrasting again the supremacy and all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ as opposed to the false teachers who mixed, again, they mixed law with the Gospel. They mixed law with the Gospel. And by doing that, what, what's happened? They've made Christ of no effect. He doesn't profit them nothing. Nothing. He proves that the circumcision of Moses is not merely unnecessary for salvation, but Paul has proven that it's opposed to Christ because it destroys the spiritual circumcision of Christ. My. So what can we conclude? Well, we're tied last week's verse in. We can conclude that the believer is absolutely complete in Christ. Absolutely complete in Christ. We're complete in Christ's righteousness. We're complete in Christ's redemption. The believer is complete in Christ. So let us think upon this as we close. Let us observe how needful it is for us to look to Christ, for us to keep our eyes on Christ. For, eyes, for our eyes to look upon Him and Him alone is all our salvation, is all our redemption, is everything for us, is, is all our acceptance before God. And let us remember this. We're close with this. All the Old Testament types were but shadows. They were but shadows pointing to Christ. 
in him, in Christ, they had their accomplishment. He is the substance. He's the substance. Gracious Heavenly Father, oh, we come before you. We who believe come before you just in awe. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't make ourselves born again. But you, by the mighty power, by a divine working, have wrought in us the circumcision made without hands. We're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Undeserving sinners, made complete in Christ. Oh, may it fill us with awe this week. May we leave this place rejoicing. May we think in the coming days of your greatness and of your power and the mercy that you've had upon us. May you, oh, may you move in a lost sheep's heart. We pray if it's your will. May you draw them to you if it's your will. May you awake one from the dead such as you've done for us if it's your will. We pray that you'd be glorified and magnified through this message tonight and through the preaching that will continue from this, from this oasis, we pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother John, can you lead us in the closing song?